What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Warrior Red Style Anchors of Recovery Podcast. Prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always, one day at a time. I love Raylan, you guys. Alright. I've been missing you guys, by the way. Sorry, we have been super freaking busy. But keep me in y'all's prayers. Y'all are always in my prayers. I love you guys. Alright, scripture today is Kings chapter 3. In the Recovery Bible, page 420 or 431. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and married one of his daughters. He brought her to, to live in the city of David until he could finish building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around the city. At, at that time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at local places. Of worship for a temple honoring the name of the Lord had not yet been built. <clears throat> Solomon loved the Lord and followed all decrees of his father. David accepted that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? asked, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you, and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom, is governing my people with justice, and have not asked for a long life or wealth or to the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you Hello. what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands 
as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. Sometimes later, too, prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settlement, settlement settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, the woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and was and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her head, her dead child, in my arms and took mine to sleep beside of her. And in the morning when I tried to nourish my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted it certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the, ch the living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman half to the other then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried oh no my lord give her the child please don't kill him but the other woman said all right he will be neither of yours nor mine divide him between us then the king said do not kill the child but give him to the woman who wants him to live for she is the mother when all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God that had given him for rendering justice. Alright, daily bread. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you have no money, come buy and eat. It, Isaiah 55, 1. The ultimate satisfaction. As we distributed snacks for children at a Bible school program, we noticed a little boy who devoured his snack. Then he also ate the leftovers of the children at his table. Even after I... Gave him a bag of popcorn, he still wasn't satisfied. As leaders, we were concerned as to why this little boy was so hungry. It occurred to me that we can be like that boy when it comes to our emotions. We look for ways to satisfy our deepest longings, but we never find what, truly, what fully satisfies us. The prophet Isaiah invites those who are hungry and thirsty to come by and eat. Isaiah 55.1, but then he asked, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Isaiah is, is talking about more than just physical hunger here. The promise of his presence, the everlasting covenant, 
in verse 3 is a reminder of a promise God made to David in Samuel 7, 8, 16. Through David's family line, a Savior would come to reconnect people to God. Later in John 6, 35 and 7, 37, Jesus extended the same invitation Isaiah, Isaiah gave, thus identifying himself as the Savior foretold by Isaiah and other prophets, God invites you to come and be filled in his presence. Are you searching for satisfaction? Come and enjoy the ultimate satisfaction Jesus offers. Father, I long to know you more. Only you can satisfy my deepest desires. John 7, 28, Twelve and twelve. We're on page one hundred four. We we also fall into another similar temptation. We form ideas as to what we think God's will is for other people. We say to ourselves, "This one ought to be cured of his fatal pain," and we pray for these specific things. Such prayers based upon a supposition. That we know God's will for the person for whom we pray. This means that side by side, presumption and conceit in us, it is AA's experience that whatever it is, we, he be done for others as well as for ourselves. In AA, we have found that the actual good results of prayer are beyond question. They are matters of knowledge and experience. All those who have experienced Persisted have found strength not ordinarily their own. They have found wisdom beyond their usual capability. And they have increasingly found a peace of mind which can stand firm in the face of difficult circumstances. We discover that we do receive guidance for our lives to just about the extent that we stop making demands upon God to give it to us on order and on our terms. Almost any experienced AA will tell how his affairs have taken remarkable and unexpected turns for the better as he, as he tried to improve his conscious contact with God. He will also report that out of every season of grief, are suffering when the hand of God seemed heavy on even unjust new lessons. For living were learned, new resources of courage were uncovered, and that finally, inescapably, the conviction became that God does move in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. All this should be very encouraging news for those who recall from prayer because they don't believe in it or because they feel themselves cut off from God's help and direction. All of us, with without exception, pass through times when we can pray only with the greatest exertion of will. Occasionally, we'll go, we go even further than this. We are seized with a rebellion so sickening that we simply won't pray. When these things happen, we should not think too ill of ourselves. We should simply resume prayer as soon as we can, doing what we know to be good for us. 
perhaps one of the of the greatest rewards of meditation and prayer is the sense of belonging that comes to us. We no longer live in a completely hostile world. We are no longer lost and frightened and purposeless. The moment we catch even a glimpse of God's will, the moment we begin to see truth, justice, and love as the real and eternal things in life, we are no longer deeply disturbed by all the seeming evidence to the contrary that surrounds us in purely human affairs. We know that God loving watches watches over us. We know that when we turn to Him, all will be well with us here and hereafter. Alright, that is the end of step 11. So, we'll figure out what step we're going to do next. Maybe we'll just go on to step 12. Alright. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The joy of living in the theme of AA's 12 step and action is the key word. There we turn outward to our fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Here we experience the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. When we, when the 12th step is seen in full implication, it is really talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. Our 12th step also says that as a result of practicing all the steps, we have, we have each found something called a spiritual awakening. The new AAs, this often seemed like a very dubious and improbable state of affairs. What do you mean when you talk about a spiritual awakening, they ask? Maybe there are many definition, definitions of spiritual awakening, as there are people who have had them, but certainly each genuine one has something in common with all the others. And these things which they are have in common are not too hard to understand. When a man or woman has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he has now become able to do, feel, and believe that which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. Alright, we're going to stop there on 1, 7, and 12, and 12. Okay, and we are... Um at Hampton by Hilton. Contactless arrival means she can skip the front desk. Let's see. There's time to start another one in the AA big book. Let's see what we're gonna do. Window of opportunity on four twenty one. This young alcoholic stepped out of second-story window and into AA. I got sober while I was still in college. Once outside of a meeting, I overheard a conversation between another sober student and a woman who lived in the town where I went to school. She was explaining why so many local residents disliked the students. She 
described the common perception of students as arrogant and self-centered and went on to tell the following story. I am a nurse and I work in the emergency room. Two years ago, a student has brought in by ambulance in the middle of the night. He had gotten drunk, walked through a second story window and fallen 20 feet head first into a concrete window well. He was brought in covered with blood. His head had swollen to the size of a watermelon. He he kept wearing at the nurses and doctors telling them to keep their hands off him and threatening to sue them. He was without a doubt the single most obnoxious person I have ever met. At the point I interrupted her, that was me, I said. That was my last drunk. I had walked through the window when I was 19 years old. How had I gotten there? I had always been a good kid growing up, the kind of son other mothers loved. I was at the top of my classes academically and had been in almost no trouble for the first 17 years of my life. I would like to say that was because of my well-developed moral fiber. In fact, much of it was a result of fear. My earliest memories included threats by my parents to throw me out and onto the street for the slightest acts of disobedience. The thought of being forced to live on the street is pretty terrifying for a six-year-old. Those threats, coupled with a fair amount of physical punishment, kept me frightened and obedient. As I grew older, however, I made a plan. I would be dutiful until I graduated from high school. Then I would escape to college, secure my economic future, and never go home again. Just after my 18th birthday, I left for college. I was, I was, I thought, finally free. I was in for a rude awakening. Like many alcoholics, I had spent much of my life feeling different as though I just didn't fit in. I covered those feelings and my lowest self-esteem by being one of the smartest people in my group. If not the smartest, additionally, I became a performer in crowds, also ready with a quick joke to point out the humor in any situation. I managed to bring a great deal of laughter into my life. I went to a college filled with people who had also spent their entire lives at or near the top of their academic classes. Suddenly, I was no longer special to make others matters worse. Many of them ha had what I had dreamed of, money. My family was strictly working class, struggling to get by on what my father earned. Money had always been a big issue, and I equated it with serenity, prestige, and worth. My father was fond of saying that the sole purpose of life is to make money. I had classmates whose names were household words that uh, connoted wealth. I was ashamed, ashamed of my family and ashamed of myself. My shaky confidence crumbled. I was terrified of being found out. I knew that if others discovered who I was, they wouldn't like me, and I would be left alone, worthless, and alone. Then I discovered alcohol. I was I had tried it a few times in high school, but never enough to get drunk. I knew that getting drunk meant 
being out of control. My escape plan required that I always keep my wits about me. I was too afraid to be out of control. When I got to college, however, that fear left me. In order to fit in, I pretended at first that I had an extensive a drinking history. As any of my classmates, it was not long before my history surpassed everyone's. My drinking career was short and destructive, and my alcoholic progression was very fast. I got drunk for the first time in October. By November, people were willing to wager money that I could not go one week without a drink. I won, and in celebration, drank myself sick. By January, I was a daily drunk, and by April, a daily drug user as well. I didn't last too long. As I look back on that period, I realize how true it is that one of the primary differences between alcoholics and non-alcoholics is that non-alcoholics change their behavior to meet their goals, and alcoholics change their goals to meet their behavior. Everything that had been important to me, all of my dreams, goals, and aspirations were swept away in a wave of booze. I realized quickly that I could not drink and function at any high level. That did not matter. I was willing to give up anything so that I could keep drinking. All right, we're going to stop there on 424. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me which every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your Biden. Amen. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth.
That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds, it is by forgiving that one is forgiven, it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the glory, and forever and ever. Amen. All right, you guys, I love y'all like Jesus does, and I pray for y'all, Lord. Um. Y'all pray for me and pray for these kids. There's a food shortage. So pray for the kids. They're wanting us to feed our kids before we send them to school. There's a big uh, food shortage. So y'all just keep these kids in y'all's prayers. And keep these our country, our nation, and our leaderships, our president, and just all of us. So I love y'all and I thank y'all. Remember. Give it all to God. Give him all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.